0: Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at the third discipline that is mentioned in Matthew chapter 6. So far, we have looked at the discipline of giving and the discipline of praying. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the discipline of fasting. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus in verse 1 stated this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. One writer said, "If you perform religious acts to impress people, then you'll miss God's reward." I mean, that a powerful statement. If you pre- perform your religious acts before. If you perform religious acts to impress people, then you'll miss God's reward. And that's exactly what the religious leaders did. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. They practiced these disciplines to impress people and not to impress God the Father. These people were hypocrites. And we've looked over the past couple of weeks at at what a hypocrite is. And Jesus warned his disciples against hypocrisy, just as he warned us whenever he um, spoke these words some 2,000 years ago. In fact, some of the harshest words that Jesus spoke were directed at the religious leaders, directed at the Pharisees because of their hypocrisy. Over the past couple of weeks, I've stated this from, um, this quote from Brenning Manning. It says, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. This word hypocrite is a word that was coined by the Greeks. It means wearing a mask. Today we refer to hypocrites as being people that, that act one way and live an entirely different way. When it came to giving, praying, and fasting, those were disciplines the Pharisees practiced before man and not God the Father. If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 16 through 18 together this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. This is what it says. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast... Anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Of the three disciplines that Jesus speaks about in Matthew chapter 6, um, I will be the first one to tell you this is the one that I struggled the most with. Um, giving, man, since I received began receiving a paycheck, I've always practiced the discipline of tithing. Praying, I should pray more, but it is is something that I do on a regular, daily basis. Fasting, on the other hand, is a discipline that I have not practiced very well over the course of my my life. And I will be the first one to tell you that I like food. Um, I like food a whole, whole lot, in fact. Um, Food is kind of like a bee sting. They both make me swell. Um, And so I'm just a, a fan of it. And as we walk together this morning... I want us to all be on the same page as we conclude. Fasting is something that all of us need to do more of. And we're going to look at different kinds of fast, and we're going to look at how I know that because of health reasons, some can't fast. But in the New Testament, know this. You and I are never required to fast, but we are expected to fast. And we know that because Jesus begins in verse 16 with these words. He said, And when you fast... When you fast. So this is a discipline that all of us need to practice in our lives. Notice point number one. Fasting for show. As we've looked at over the past couple weeks, the Pharisees were all about show, weren't they? They were all about drawing attention to themselves. Do you know what Jesus said about these men? On Tuesday in our daily reading, um, we read Matthew chapter 23, and we we read these words from Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 23, beginning in verse 13, he stated, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees! Over and over throughout this chapter, Jesus condemns the Pharisees because of their hypocritical lifestyles. In fact, he says because of their hypocrisy, they are leading people straight to hell. That is the danger for us, all of us in this room, when we live hypocritically. We have a greater tendency of drawing people away from Christ than we do to Christ, because they look at our lives and they see individuals that claim to believe this, but live this way. That is what a hypocrite is. In Matthew 6, 16, again we read, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Disciplines, wrote this. It is sobering to realize that the very first statement Jesus made about fasting dealt with the question of motive. To use good things to our own ends is always a sign of false religion. Fasting must forever center on God. It must be God-initiated and God-ordained. Fasting reminds us that we are sustained by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Therefore, in experiences of fasting, we are not so much abstaining from food as we are feasting on the word of God. I love this last statement that he makes. Fasting is feasting. Have you ever made made something that was not about you about you? That's exactly what the Pharisees tried to do when they gave and when they prayed and when they fasted. With each of these disciplines, we are instructed to practice them privately yes there is a public component to them but the but the practice of this discipline is to be done in private between God the Father and ourselves not amongst those that we come in contact with however for the Pharisees they became show and tell moments as you recall a couple of weeks ago we we looked at when the Pharisees gave in Matthew 6 2. We read this, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. When the Pharisees gave, what they did is they tooted their own horn. They made it about them, and they tried to draw attention upon themselves whenever they gave and and, and instead of directing their attention to God the Father. And the same was true when they prayed. In verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6 we read, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Three times a day a good Jew would pray. They'd pray at 9 a.m., at 12 noon, and at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. For some, when they knew that it was coming time to pray, They would retreat from the public eye, and they would pray one-on-one with God the Father in secret. The Pharisees and the religious leaders, on the other hand, what did they do? Man, they made sure that when it was time to pray, they were going to be in the most populated places. Whether that be the synagogue or on some busy street corner, they made praying all about themselves. Why did they do that? Because they were all about show all about drawing attention to themselves. That is the opposite of what we are instructed to do as Christ followers. John the Baptist was spot on whenever he told his disciples in in John chapter three. He said this, he, meaning Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. Every single day, You and I are to die to ourselves. We are to die to our fleshly desires and become more and more like Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter two, verse 20, Paul said this, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself When it came to fasting, the Pharisees really liked to dramatize it. Man, they really liked to make it all about themselves. And we, we read in verse 16, man, when they fasted, they got gloomy. Man, they tried to disfigure their faces. Most likely what they would do is they would suck their cheeks in and they would go throughout the day moaning and groaning. They would throw some dirt or ashes on their, on their body and they made it all about them. Try to draw attention completely upon themselves. And in fact, in Luke, in, in Luke chapter 18, verse 11 and 12, we read this. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And he says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. You know, Pharisees, they fasted twice a week. Most likely it was on Monday and, thurs- and Thursday. They were never commanded to fast twice a week. In fact, um, a, a, a Jew was only required to fast one day a year, and that was on the Day of Atonement. That was a day in which the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and offer up a sin sacrifice on behalf of, of the people of the land. That was the only day that a Jew was required to fast. But what did the Pharisees do? Man, they went above and beyond didn't they? And they fasted twice a week, and they made their fast all about themselves and not about God the Father. It is expected that you and I will fast, that you and I will give up our daily Food portions for a period of time in order to deepen our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I know that some of you in this room are unable to fast because of health reasons. You are unable to go and miss three day, three meals um, or a, a full twenty four hours of, of eating, and that's okay. You may not be able to fast because of health reasons, but maybe you can fast for one meal. Maybe you could fast for two meals, and if you can't do that, maybe you can give up something that you really like to indulge on at each one of your meals and, and, and replace that. That with times of prayer and keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. The purpose for fasting is not to starve ourselves from the physical necessities that we need. The reason we fast is to help us realize that there is more to life than the bread that we eat. After Jesus fasted for 40 days, the devil shows up and begins to tempt him. We read in Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. As Richard Foster stated, fasting is feasting. Not feasting on the things of this world, but feasting on the things of the Lord. Feasting on God's word. Notice our second point this morning. It is this. We fast for growth. So we fast. We, 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 we don't fast for show, but we do fast for growth. Fasting for growth. Why do we fast? Um, David Platt and Francis Chan wrote this. We fast because we We're hungry for God's word and God's spirit in our lives. We fast because we long for God's glory to resound in the church and God's praise to resound among the nations. We fast because we yearn for God's Son to return and God's kingdom to come. Ultimately, we fast simply because we want God more than we want anything this world has to offer us. These were words penned in a foreword to John Piper's book, Hunger for God. I love this last thing that they said. We fast simply because we want God more than we want anything this world has Offer us. In Psalm 34 8, we read, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Man, that great a great verse. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. As indicated, you and I are never commanded in the New Testament to fast. However, verse 16 makes it abundantly clear that it is expected that we will fast because it says when you fast. All throughout God's word, fasting occurs when there is a need for a spiritual breakthrough or before God is about to do something big in human history. Nothing bigger in human history than when God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. Moses spent forty days and forty nights in the very presence of God the Father. He went without food, he went without water, then he just dwelt in the presence of the Lord. Did Moses go without? He may have gone without food, but he certainly did not go without and we know that because when Moses came down off of Mount Sinai, in Exodus 34:29 we read this. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, and he and, and as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. You talk about a man that that didn't need the nourishment that this world had to offer for 40 days and 40 nights. What Moses needed was God, and that's exactly what Moses got. Moses as a result of being in the very presence of God had everything he needed for his sustainability. He feasted off the very presence of God the Father. Jesus before he began his earthly ministry and before he called um, his disciples to follow after him, he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Praying and fasting, when you and I fast, it leads us to depend more on Jesus than on food or the materialistic things of this world. One writer said, we go with less so we can seek God more. We go with less so that we can seek God more. As indicated earlier, fasting is not a discipline that I practice on a regular basis. And I know that it's a discipline that I need to practice more. And in preparation for this sermon a couple of weeks ago on Tuesday, I, I fasted. And man, it was a great time of of, of of fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. I did not want to stand up in front of you as a hypocrite and say, hey, we need to fast when it wasn't something that, that I was preparing my heart to do leading up to this particular message. And so I fasted for that day. And it wasn't an easy thing. You know, I would say that probably um, I fast maybe one day a year. And I need to fast definitely more than that. Why? Because God's word tells me that it is something that I must practice on a regular basis. And so I fasted on that Tuesday. And then um, I don't know what the Lord was doing in my life last week, but I fasted on Tuesday, began to feel bad on Wednesday. Thursday, I can say that I was definitely um, experiencing flu-like symptoms. On Friday, I woke up with 102.6 degrees. Temperature and for the next three days after that, I pretty much fasted, with the exception of before I took my medicine. Um, I ate a couple of um, pieces of, of of cracker just to, in preparation, you know, just so I didn't get sick. But. But fasting is not something that I practice on a regular basis, but it's something that I know that I need to practice more because fasting surely is feasting, feasting on God. Folks, fasting is not an easy discipline, nor is it a discipline that we all need to go out and do tomorrow. This message is not a message of which I'm preaching and saying, hey, here's what we need to do. Leading up to Easter, which is some 30 days away, 35 or so days away, I want all of us to fast for 35 days, okay? I'm not challenging us to do that. If the Lord leads you to fast over a certain period of time, then I encourage you to do that. Just like if the Lord leads me to, then I'm going to do that. Throughout God's word, there's several different fasts that we read about. We know about um, fasting from food. Um, Moses fasted from food. Jesus fasted from in the New Testament, we see Paul fasting, we see the apostles fasting, we see the disciples fasting on into the epistles in the New Testament. So fasting um, from food is one way to fast. There's the Daniel fast. It's a fast that I've done before where you commit to 40 days that you're going to um, eat nothing but vegetables and drink water. And and um, if you recall, Daniel gave up meat and wine for 40 days and just ate vegetables vegetables, and water. So that is a fast. And then you see a lot in um, in the church today where pastors don't challenge people to fast from food, but challenge people to give up something. Maybe it's Giving up, um, going on a social media fast or a television fast or a sports fast or an extracurricular activity fast. Fasting um, is, is can occur in many different ways. But what we do is we give up something so that we can replace that time that we would have spent on social media or that time that we would have spent eating with praying and seeking God the Father. We give up certain things so that we can seek God more. That is what fasting is about, giving up to get more. What do you need to give up in your life in order to get more of God? Is it food? Is it technology? Is it some form of social media? Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's um, you know some extracurricular activity. What is it that you need to give up in order to get more of God? So we've looked at So far this morning, fasting for show, fasting for growth. And notice the final point this morning, fasting for change. Fasting for change. Have you ever had a holy dissatisfaction moment in your life? Man, where you were just spiritually, man, you're just kind of broken. Broken over the state of things. I can say that today, man, it's um, over the past Years now, but but it just seems like um, even over the past couple of weeks, man, i have just having a holy dissatisfaction moment. When I look at the state of our country morally, I am broken. I'm broken when I turn the TV on or read the online garbage that, that Hollywood is pushing down our throats and and trying to tell us that this is how you are to believe, this is what you are to do, I will be the first one to tell you I love a great movie. I love a great television program. But I do not love when Hollywood tends to tell me how I am to believe or how my children are to believe. I don't know if you realize this, folks, but 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 Hollywood is trying to reshape us. Not only are they trying to reshape us, but they're trying to shape the minds of our children. Um, Just this week, I mean, I was blown away by this. Apparently, the new Beauty and the Beast um, film that's coming out within the next couple of weeks is going to have a character in that show that is struggling with their sexuality um just this week um on disney xd apparently in one of their animated cartoons there was a scene where there were multiple gay characters that were kissing this is cartoons mind you okay and then apparently disney is talking now about having a gay princess in one of their upcoming princess movies you know that just breaks my heart because what Hollywood is doing is they know that if they can shape the, the minds of our children today, then they're going to have them when they, became, when they become adults. I'm broken when I'm told that I'm intolerant for not agreeing like I'm supposed to agree. Folks, when, it come, when is it going to stop? When are we going to stop being told what we are to believe and how we are to believe it? You know, when it's going to stop? It's going to stop when you and I get on the bandwagon. It's going to stop when we, like church after church, begin to acknowledge that what we're seeing really is the new normal. Or denomination after denomination acknowledge that what we are seeing is the new normal. Or corporation after corporation that has already begun to acknowledge what what is happening is the new normal. When is it going to stop it's going to stop when we get on the bandwagon. What we are seeing will stop being an issue when you and I finally acknowledge that God's Word is indeed irrelevant. Do you believe that God's Word is irrelevant? Absolutely not. It's not in irre, irre, irrelevant, irrelevant. God's Word does not change, it has never changed. Hollywood tries to tell us that it, that it should change, but it has not changed, nor will it change. God's definition of marriage has not changed. God's intent for sexuality has not changed, and therefore your position and my position must not change either. I will tell you right now, as long as I'm the pastor of this church, I will always preach God's word in its entirety. And if, if God's word, um, says that this is truth, we are going to, Follow this word as the truth that it is. Folks, one reason we fast is because we recognize that the current state of our nation and our world is not acceptable right now. We fast because we recognize that we need Jesus more than we need anything else in this world. In Nehemiah chapter nine, following the rebuilding of the walls around Jerusalem, the people came together because they were broken over the current state of the of the sin within Israel. In Nehemiah 9, 1 through 2, we read this. Now on the twenty fourth day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sin and all the iniquities of their fathers. You see what happened here? When these people recognized that they had fallen short of God's glory for their lives, they fasted and they prayed and they came together seeking forgiveness. In Joel 2, 12, we read, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. We fast for change. Daniel chapter 9, verses 3 through 9. This is such a beautiful passage of scripture. Daniel was an intercessor, wasn't he? Now, I love Daniel. Daniel, as a result of his daily commitment of going into his room and praying It was because of his faithfulness that he was thrown into the lion's den. We read in Daniel Daniel chapter 9, verses 3 through 9, it says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets. We spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers. To all the people of the land, to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, and all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you, to us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord, our God, belongs mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled. Against him. Daniel, Nehemiah, Joel, and others throughout Scripture fasted for change. They fasted because they were crying out to God to forgive them of their sins. But notice also what they were doing is they were fasting. And crying out and repenting of, of, of the sins on behalf of the people of the land. Because they recognized the debauchery that was taking place. Let me share this great illustration that I came across about Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards fasted at one time for three days and three nights straight without eating or without sleeping. We read, for three days Jonathan Edwards had not eaten a mouthful of food. For three nights he had not closed his eyes and sleep. Over and over again he had been saying to God, give me New England. Give me New England. And when he arose from his knees and made his way into the pulpit, they say that he looked as if he had been gazing straight into the face of God. They say that before he opened his lips to speak, conviction fell upon the audience. You and I should be praying, give us friendship. Give us Fairview. Give us Collin County. Give us the metroplex. Give us the state of Texas. Give us America. Give us the Americas. Give us the world. That is what we should be praying. We should not stop praying and seeking and crying out until God answers our prayers. Folks, we fast for growth. We fast because we recognize that we need to see change. But we don't fast for show. We don't fast trying to draw attention upon ourselves. We fast so that God will will, will allow us to grow in his grace and knowledge. And we fast because we recognize that this world needs to change. And we as individuals need to change. Our takeaway this morning is just a question that I have for you. What do you and I need to give up in order for God to show up more in our lives? Is it food for a day? Or two days? Or three days? Is it um, technology that we need to give up is it maybe social media or television or or what is it that we need to give up in order to get more of God what do we need to give up to get more of God this morning you may be here and and, man, the Lord just begin, has just begun to, to do a work in your life, and you recognize, man, that, that, Lord, I'm so consumed with the things of this world, and I'm not consumed with you. And so, Father, I need to give up this in order to get more of you. What is it that you need to give up in order to get more of the Lord? You may be here this morning, and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you were to die today, you do not know where you would spend eternity. Scripture is clear that you and I are going to spend eternity in heaven or in hell. There is no in-between. It's heaven or hell. If you're here this morning and you don't know for certain if you were to die today where you'd spend eternity, I want to invite you this morning to come and make the greatest decision that you could ever make. Repent of your sins. The Bible says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible also says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So if you're here this morning and you've never repented of your sins and you've never cried out to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, then this morning I invite you to come to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. You may be here this morning and and the Lord is leading you and your family to come to be a part of Friendship Baptist Church. We'd love for you to come and make this your church home. I don't know what decision you need to make, but I do want us to stand together and we're going to pray together. And at the conclusion of this prayer, if there's a decision you need to make, you come, you come. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning, just thanking you father for the opportunity just to, to study your word father and Lord, to look at this third discipline together. Father, we know that we're never commanded in the New Testament to fast. But we do know that you expect us to fast, that you expect us to give up so that we can get more of you. And so this morning, Lord Jesus, just reveal to us, all of us across this room, what we need to give up so that we can replace that with more of you. Maybe um, where we can redirect our attention upon you and away from the things of this world. Father, just show up um, in our lives, Father, and reveal to us what it is that you would have us to to give up. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that that does not have a relationship with you, if they were to die today, they don't know where they'd spend eternity. Lord, just draw them this morning during this time of invitation to come and to recognize that that they need you. And, Lord, I would love to share with them this morning how they can enter into an eternal relationship with you. Father, if there's someone here or a family here this morning that needs to come and join this faith family, Lord, we invite them to come as well. Just move now during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's a decision you need to make during this time of invitation, you come. If you need to come, trust in Jesus as your Savior, you come. If you need to come and join this church, you come. You come now. You come.